The Senior Bowl is still to be played, but the biggest days that we get the most insight are the practices, and those have concluded as, as of Thursday. We had our man Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette down there in Mobile, Alabama, watching all the prospects and the prospects that Mike Tomlin was looking the closest at. We'll talk about some key positions, offensive line, cornerback, and defensive line that the Steelers could be investing into in this upcoming offseason. All that and more right here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Friday episode. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, we do this show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but you can always get all the Post-Gazette content that we do on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and especially on YouTube. If you see this video on YouTube, like the video if you enjoy it, subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of the daily episodes that we have of content here, and of course, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast. Joining us, as I said earlier, we have Ray Fittipaldo. He's still there in Mobile, though by the time you're watching this, he's probably, hopefully, back in Pittsburgh. Ray, how's it down there, man? We got snow here in Pittsburgh. I bet you it was a lot nicer there. Yeah, 70s all week, although Thursday, uh, today is actually, uh, you know, high 50s, low 60s. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll come back and scrape some ice off my windshield at the airport. But, uh, yeah, it's been good down here. It, cer- it certainly had to be because uh, you guys got to go out there. You got to watch some watch some football and watch some guys work, working out. The, the position group that I'm sure everyone wants to talk about this year, if you're a Steelers fan and you want to learn about what they're looking at, is offensive line. You wrote about that going down there, writing about, like, you know, the priorities and the guys that were there. Dewan Jones was the guy who everyone was going to be looking at. He had the largest wingspan in the history of the senior bowl, six foot eight, 360 pounds, whatever he weighs. He's huge. He's massive. He's not Paris Johnson. That's the the other Ohio State offensive tackle who's probably going to go early in the first round. But he was the guy going into this week who a lot of people were pointing at and say he could be the one that rises up and becomes a bigger prospect here. Did you see him do that in the times that you saw him watching? He was excellent on the first day, Chris, and then he got injured. So he did not participate on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I doubt he plays in the game on Saturday. I can't see him playing. So um, that talk about him being a riser, um, it all depends what that injury is. You know, what's he going to do with the combine? Um, Assuming he's healthy, yeah, I mean, he's that guy. Uh, 6'8", you said 360. They list him at 375. And, like, you know, I was down here last year, and you remember the kid from Minnesota who went to the Ravens, Daniel Falele. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. So I would say DeWan Jones is bigger than him, but he's got much better feet. He's a much better athlete. He can mirror guys in pass protection. Um, and he's just – once he gets his hands on you in the running game, um, you know, it's over. So, you know, I know there are some issues with his weight. He's not going to play a 375 in the NFL, I would imagine – Whatever team gets him is probably going to want to get him down into that, uh, you know, 335, 340 range maybe, um, somewhere around there, maybe 350. But, uh, yeah, he was a standout on day one. Uh, He was really, really good. Just unfortunate that he happened to get injured. 
No, I hear you on that. And for, for the record, Daniel Falale, what Ray's pointing out is that that, guy, that was another guy that everyone said, wow, he's massive. But when you watched him on tape and how he matched up quicker guys, and not even quicker guys, average guys could get around him pretty quickly because he could, couldn't get out of his stance. He couldn't kind of lock on to guys who were just running around him. And from the highlights that I saw, Dewan Jones did not have that problem. He went up against guys like Andre Carter, who's expected to be, you know, an, an early day two pick at, 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 at worst, um, you know, as far as edge rushers out here. And he was locking guys like him down. And again, that was just the first day. We got to see what the injury is. But certainly Dewan Jones of Ohio State stood out. Who were some other offensive linemen, though, that caught your eye? And did you see Mike Tomlin lurking around those guys a little bit harder than other positions? Oh, yeah. I mean, like just like last year with, with the quarterbacks, yeah. um, you kind of know that Mike is down here and, and the front office is down here to, to look at the trenches and, and to look at defensive backs this year. So um, one-on-ones, he was down there a lot. He was up close. He was getting involved. Um, you know, a couple of other guys who stood out, um, and you know, none of these guys are perfect throughout the week, but – Cody Malk, uh, M-A-U-C-H, from North Dakota State, mm. uh, played tackle there. They had him at guard and center this week. He's really athletic. He's a former tight end um, uh, who's kind of transitioned to, to be an offensive lineman. And you can see that athleticism. You can see where once upon a time, um, you know, he, he was that type of an athlete. So, um, you know, I think he's only listed at 305, Chris, but um, – you know, assuming he could put on some quality uh, weight, I think he'd be a really good center or guard prospect. And then one other intriguing guy, and he, he's 6'7", and I don't know, he's probably like third, fourth round range, but Blake Freeland from BYU, um, another tall guy, but really athletic. I mean, af- people don't understand. If you're over 300 pounds and you can move the way Dewan Jones does or Freeland does, that captures the attention of the uh, NFL types who are down here. It's not uh, it's not typical for guys that big to be able to move the way they move. So, yeah, I mean, you got to worry about leverage with those guys. How do they handle, you know, those big brutes in the NFL? But those are three guys who, who stood out for me this week. Uh, Jones, uh, Cody Malk, and Blake Freeland. I mean, they certainly need those types of guys. I mean, on the op- on the Steelers' offensive line, you know, they had guys who kind of who kind of were decent there. They could use some bigger guys who can control and win in the run game. And, and you're all right. Sometimes the bigger guys they have a harder time keeping their pads low because often the lowest man wins when it comes to offensive linemen. But if you're able to teach them that, if you're able to to get to refine that in a guy, it kind of becomes a rather say woe than sickum type of situation. If you're like, look. This guy has the fire. This guy has the follow through. He just needs this one thing tweaked. And if he tweaks that, he's going to be a, a really dominating, dominant force in the trenches. And that's what the Steelers need. They need big guys who can do that. And again, you know, we're not sure if these will be the guys who are there. You know, Broderick Jones could be a guy. You know, the three guys, uh, I'd say even four guys that people might talk about a little bit more. Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, uh, Peter Skaronsky, and Anton Harrison. All those guys are going to be on in play, too. But if you're sitting there, if the Steelers, all those guys go, and the Steelers maybe go cornerback, go linebacker, go, you know, wide receiver, defensive line in the first round. It's I think what this is showing is that you can wait to that 32nd overall pick or even the 50th overall overall pick and possibly still come away with a guy who's very useful. Heck, uh, you know, Ray, you saw them draft Marcus Gilbert in the second round years ago, and he became a very uh, useful resource at offensive tackle. 
Yeah, one more thing talking about the size. Um, you know, the Steelers have a history, and I, I know it's a new regime, but go all the way back to Max Starks. I mean, I don't know what Max was listed at, 6'8 or 6'9, a humongous individual. He was a pretty good tackle here for a long time. And more recently, you know, Al Villanueva. Now, Al wasn't um, – he didn't have the girth, you know, that a Dewan Jones or a guy like Max Starks had. But, uh, again, you can learn how to play being 6'8", 6'9". Uh, as long as you use that length um, to your advantage, you get your hands on those edge rushers quickly, um, you know, that, that that's a big part of it. So, um, you know, a lot of teams don't like those guys just because, um, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, – um, you know, leverage is always going to be an issue, but, you know, I think it's worth noting that the Steelers have had some success with those types in the, uh, in, in years past. They certainly have, and they'll need to find some success soon. I think that if they want to complete their offensive line, they need at least two guys on it who are going to be bullies in that department. We'll see if they find those guys in the draft. Remember, the senior bowl gets played this weekend, but Ray was there to see the practices. I want to ask Ray about some of the cornerbacks who were there because that's another position that people are looking at about the Steelers. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa. As I was talking about before, it is snowing here in Pittsburgh. There's ice, there's snow, there's cold. Some days it warms up a little bit, and then it hits you again, and you're dealing with it, and you're dealing with stress. You're working all the time. Sometimes you need a place to relax in your own home. Well, this is where Valley Pool and Spa comes into play because they can get you a hot tub, a swim spa, or a sauna to put it and put it right in your home to help you feel good and relaxed so that you can tackle your day. Relax and soak in a hot tub or swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa, or you can check out their Finlayo saunas. They're going to help you deal with stress, come out feeling refreshed and renewed, ready to tackle the rest of your day save big now on all in stock hot tubs swim spots and saunas at valleypoolspa.com that's valleypoolspa.com thanks for tuning in to back here on the north shore drive podcast i'm chris carter here with ray fittipato who was down at the Senior Bowl. Ray, one of the groups that I was intrigued to see was this cornerback group because, you know, it's even more pronounced with the cornerbacks than it was the offensive linemen that the guys who are going to be the top picks weren't there. You know, you look at this year's class, at the top of this year's class, you talk about guys like Christian Gonzalez. You talk about guys like Devin Witherspoon. You talk about guys like Joey Porter Jr. Those type of prospects weren't there but there were a lot of guys flying around there who were catching people's eyes who were some of the players at cornerback that you thought made it made a good name for themselves in this process yeah uh kelly from stanford uh his first name um it's kai blue skelly yeah kai blue skelly uh you know yeah. he caught my eye down here um yeah i mean there are a number of guys and, and the fortunate thing um for the steelers was grady brown their secondary coach Mm -hmm. um, is the defensive coordinator for the national team this week. So he's getting an up-close look at, you know, I don't know how many D-backs are on the, his roster, probably 10 or 12 guys. And then he's watching film at night of the American squad and getting the load on, on those guys. So it really couldn't have worked out any better for the Steelers. You know, as you mentioned, you know, the top six or eight corners are not here. Um, but, yeah, there are some guys who um, uh, who, who are down here. Tyreek Stevenson from uh, – Miami, um, you know, so, it, you know, it, it's a situation where we're probably not talking day one with any of those guys, but certainly, um, you know, day two, day three, some of these guys playing in the senior bowl, 
uh, could be on the Steelers' radar. I think that's something that the Steelers could look at here because they one they have to figure out if anything's going to happen with Cam Sutton, and because that's going to be you know one of the bigger negotiations that they make. Because Cam Sutton could hit the free the, the free agency market and make a lot of money this year. Um, you know, or he could stick with the Steelers and they could pay him a good amount of money. But either way, you know, the guys they have on the roster officially right now, Levi Wallace, uh, Kella Witherspoon, William Jackson III, James Pierre, like those type of guys, you know, you're looking at that, but none of them were the proven kind of leader over the past year. Cam Sutton was that guy. And even if you keep Sutton, I have to imagine that you'd want at least one young guy who you think can develop into a consistent starter in the NFL and even a playmaker to at least learn under him and let him kind of come around. Cause I, I think they did a good job finding veterans who could fill positions and, and, and play well there. Now yeah. you get, want to introduce a rookie or two to that room so that they can kind of be cultivated by that group, figure out what it takes to play at, at, at the end of help. It's someone to help them figure out what it takes to play at the NFL level and then make that sort of a stronger group moving forward. I, I just, I wonder if, the answer might be maybe even if they double dip at cornerback, go and get one in the first or second round and then go back in like the fourth, fifth rounds. Well, they don't think they have a fifth round pick, but they'll go back in like the fourth round and and say, hey, you know what? We, we liked this guy. He stood out to us, but he's not a top pick. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Let's just see if we can get you know strike gold twice here. Yeah, I mean it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. Uh, what was it five or seven years ago they drafted what Senkoa's Golson in round two, and then they also drafted um, they drafted somebody else in round three that year. I, I forget his name, but uh, he didn't work out either. So they they have been known to do that. Um, um, you know, it's it's an interesting situation they're in. You mentioned Witherspoon. And Wallace, you know, Wallace has one year left, so does Witherspoon. I wouldn't be surprised at all, Chris, if they cut Witherspoon in March. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised either. If they did that, then you're almost locked in, you know, assuming I – think, I think this is all contingent upon Cam Sutton, um, you know, coming back you know, under a new contract. Um, you know, the ideal scenario would be you get that number one lockdown guy at 17, Cam Sutton is your solid number two, and then, uh, you know, Levi Wallace is three. That, that's probably the ideal scenario. But there are other options. Listen, if, if they wait till 32 or 49, um, maybe you get a slot corner. Maybe you get a guy like Brian Branch at 32. Um, you know, he's smaller um, and he's more of like a hybrid guy. But, um, you know, if all those, those top corners are, are gone at 17 or you want to draft O-line or D-line, then you could still have Cam Sutton as your number one, and then you just add this really quality, you know, guy at 32 or 49 who's also going to be a good starter. Maybe not that shutdown guy that, that you had hoped for, but you know, you know, a guy nonetheless that can step in and uh, help you right away. So um, I think they're in good position for this draft. Um, it, it's a timely need. You know, there are a lot of good corner prospects in this draft, including this week at the Senior Bowl. 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, I like one guy, Julius Brents, who looked like he could mirror. I just think it's it, I think it's really interesting to see how some of how, how certain positions get sharper over time. And there are more guys who can just play man coverage straight up all game long, live there on islands and do well with it. It's something that Pitt trains its cornerbacks to do. We've seen them, you know, get guys in the in the NFL draft and get guys who, you know, get drafted out there and, and do well in the NFL. Um you know, but I, I think it's more and more becoming part of the natural process. People just want to see – they don't want to just see you stand back and play good zone cornerback skills. They don't want to just see you be able to make certain plays. They want to see you go man-to-man, mano-a-mano, and, and erase guys off the field. In today's passing NFL, it's almost a necessary thing. No, it, not almost. It is a necessary thing, I think, if you want to have a great defense. Yeah, one last thing we talked to – Greedy Brown uh, earlier in the week, and all those things you mentioned is true. You got to take the ball away. Um, you got to be able to play press man. You got to be versatile. You know what the number one thing he told me was that they're looking for? What was that? Got to be able to tackle. Ooh, got to be able to tackle Nick Chubb. That's the old school Steelers right there, though. That's, that's, that's like that's the, their thing all along. Is that a mistake if they're looking for too much of a tackler versus a person who's just – like if you see a great tackler who's decent with their ball skills versus an amazing ball skills cornerback well, versus a tackler, what do you weigh more there? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll give you the Steelers' perspective. You got you got Nick Chubb you got to tackle. You, have to, you know, you got to tackle the Ravens. Steelers didn't make the playoffs because they didn't tackle the Ravens in that game at, at Akershore. Uh, and Joe Mixon, you know, he's a, he's around for at least one more season with the Bengals, I would think. So I, I understand their perspective. So if, uh, he's not here this week, but let's take Emmanuel Forbes. Um, he had multiple uh, pick sixes last fall. Uh, tall corner, great athlete. Uh, the knock on him, he's, he's not a good tackler. So if he's available at 32, do, do the Steelers turn their back on him and say, oh, we, you know, this guy who – Who's ball, you know, has ball production. He's big, he's long, he's everything you're looking for, but maybe not for the Steelers because they're also looking for tacklers. So there are guys out, out there like that every single year. You know, not not every corner comes into the NFL, um, you know, knowing how to tackle or, you know, being a quote unquote willing tackler like the Steelers look for. So, you know, that's an interesting kind of sidebar to, to this whole discussion for the next couple of months. You know, Emmanuel Forbes isn't the only guy. Um, out there who doesn't like to tackle or who isn't very good at it. So, um, you know, it's just interesting to hear Grady talk about that. He's only been with the Steelers for two years, but obviously their uh, their way of thinking has rubbed off on him. Certainly, certainly, it seems like he knows what they want. And hey, that's what that's what a good coach does, right? He figures out what how he how, what kind of players best fit the scheme that the t- team is looking for, and then follows that, and then tries to find the guys who fit that mold. We'll see if they find any of those guys, whether it's guys from the Senior Bowl or some of the guys we talked about earlier who are, who are projected to be first round picks. Either way, I do expect the Steelers to take at least take one cornerback in this draft potentially. Two. We'll get more on, on that later as we get closer to the NFL draft. We get some combine numbers because that's when cornerbacks talk really starts to shine. But I want to get Ray's thoughts on the defensive line and some of the pass rushers because 
that's another key position the Steelers need to get younger at. You know, you got Cam Hayward, but you don't know how much longer you got him. You, you're excited about T.J. Watt, but Alex Highsmith's on his last on his last year of his of his rookie contract. What do the Steelers need to do there? We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Yinzers in the Berg, which is your number one place to go for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more. So Yinzers, listen up. If you're a Steelers fan, you want some Steelers gear, best place to go, Yinzers in the Berg. Same thing if you want to root on the Penguins, Pirates, Pitt, Anything Pittsburgh, Yinz in the Berg has in either of their two legendary stores in the Strip District, or if you can't get to the Strip District, just go to their online store on their website, yinzerspgh.com. At yinzerspgh.com, you can get all that Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more for you or for your friend as you're as you're getting ready to do gift shopping for someone's birthday, a holiday, anything that you'd like. So again, go to Yinz in the Berg to either of their Strip District stores or go to yinzerspgh.com for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, breaking it down. I want to get Ray's thoughts on some of the defensive linemen because you wrote a very interesting piece here uh, during the week, during your week down there, talking to Chuck Smith, a former NFL defensive end who's kind of been a trainer of of pass rushers in the NFL. He's worked with pretty much a lot, almost all of the Steelers pass rushers. When you go from Cam Hayward to Ogan Joby to Alex Highsmith, a bunch of those guys play, played him. And you talked to him, and he gave you some insight on some of the things that the, that some of the Steelers are doing in the offseason, but also into some of the players who were standing out at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Cam Hayward is a guy. Um, you know, everyone Steelers fans know about him, but. Um, getting the insight of the guy who trains him every offseason and, you know, getting some of the details on, on you know, Cam and, you know, how he works um, and how he kind of reinvents himself every year. It was kind of interesting to, to hear a different perspective on that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, Cam brought Alex Highsmith along, uh, I think, this last offseason for the first time. And, listen, Alex was a talented guy. He was a third-round pick. But he went from what? I think six and a half or seven and a half sacks doubled his production this year to 14 and a half. So I'm not saying it's all because of Chuck Smith, but obviously um, all the Steelers have benefited from, from, uh, you know, going down there and, uh, you know, learning some of the, the, the tools of his trade. I mean, Smith played nine years in the NFL. You remember those dirty bird teams from, from back in the day, they played the Broncos in, in that one Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, he's one of the more, uh, well-known pass rush specialist that uh, you know sort of does this on the side here. I, I hear I hear that, and um, you know I think it's important to kind of you know to, to look at some of those guys that are behind the scenes because if you're if, unless you're an NFL junkie like I remember Chuck Smith as a name in the NFL you know when I when I was a little kid, but I don't remember you know you know knowing that he was going to be that he that he was that good or an all pro guy as you put as you put in your article um and what i think is going to be interesting is some of the guys who take the time after they're finished to then go be the guy who trains Steelers and everything like that so uh and other players of course but i think it's interesting looking at this defensive line class because again there's plenty of guys who aren't going to be in this at this senior bowl that are going to be the dominant forces but there's also it's also interesting always to look at who are the guys that definitely aren't going to get picked by the Steelers you know guys like Will Anderson Jr. Jalen Carter they're going top five you know those guys might be the first and second picks 
off off the board there. But then you start looking at other other places where you know Isaiah Foxy, uh, a, a player from an edge rusher from Notre Dame, who was there um, th- this week. You know where would he fall? And those people are thinking like, well, wait a second, why do they need another edge rusher when they got Highsmith and Watt? Well, you need depth, you need rotation. That's something that Andy Weidel valued very much so for the Eagles with their defensive line. They always had guys who could rotate, keep things fresh. Um, and then, you know, you start going down the line and you start wondering, you know, where do you take your shots at defensive line? Because I think yeah. I like the Marvin Leal as a, pro, as, as a as a rookie. I thought that he did a really good job, but he's still one of the leaner, longer type of defensive yeah. linemen, not one of the thicker, bigger guys like Cam Hayward. Were there guys at the Senior Bowl this week that you were like, wait a second, that could be a guy who fits into that kind of more physical mold of a defensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The guys I saw down here this week were not exactly like Leal, but more tweeners. So like Keon White from from Georgia Tech. Um, I got a roster here. I want to say they list him. He's listed at 280. So he's not that 6'5", 300-pound prototypical five technique nor is he that six foot two, six foot three, 250 pound outside linebacker. So, you know, the, the, a lot of times you, you gotta, you gotta take what the colleges give you. There's a lot of guys like that who are down here this week, you know, guys who are maybe tweeners. Um, you know, Foskey is probably a guy who could uh, play outside linebacker. Um, you know, I think he's lifted, listed at uh, 255. He's like six, Six four two fifty five. So you know he he would fit you know more you know in that role, even though he's he's played inside and outside um, during his career. So it's just kind of interesting seeing the different body types down here. You know we all have this picture of six foot four, three hundred pound five technique. You know the Cam Hayward type, the Aaron Smith type, the Stefan Tua type. Um, there are guys like that in this draft. Maybe not down here at the Senior Bowl, but, um, you know, those guys like Hayward, they tend to go in the first round. So if you want to get that guy, um, there's probably only two or three of them out there that are, you know, guys like who are going to develop into into Cam Hayward type. So um, I I do see – I see a lot of tweeners. I think that's the way the NFL is going right now. I mean, you covered a guy at Pitt, Elijah Cansey. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's hard to label guys, right? I mean – we try to put these guys in boxes and um, you know, sometimes guys like Aaron Donald, they just kind of create their own, their own position. That guy's a dominant three technique and what he's what six, one, two eighty in the NFL. I mean, it's six, six, one, two eighty. And it's, and that's one that he, he's actually, I think he's actually more like six foot when you actually, when you actually measure him out. And then yeah. again, like you said, that was something that they held against Aaron Donald, but like, you know, he obviously proven wrong. And now that's a big question is, where does Kalijah Kansi fall? Because yeah. he's electric. Heck, Mel Kuyper in his first mock draft had Kalijah Kansi going 10th overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I, I have a hard time seeing that with the other prospects on the board. But, man, if Kalijah Kansi went 10th overall, I would be. I, I think that would be a heck of a story. I also think that he'd be he'd be an electric playmaker next to bigger guys like Fletcher Cox yeah. uh, and then like Jordan Davis, who they drafted last year. And that, I think that's the one conflict I have. If the Steelers were to take Kalijah Kansi, he wouldn't be the Cam Hayward type. He's small. He's quick. He's right. going to get around you, and he's going to outwork you. But he can't be that bully that takes on you know two huge offensive linemen, right. stones them in the hole, and then frees up 
everyone else behind him all the time in the NFL when guys are going to be bigger and stronger. He probably ideally fits in a rotational um, situation, like much like the Eagles, right? You, you exactly. rotate seven. Yes. Yeah, rotate seven or eight guys. Now, you know, Andy is with the Steelers now. Maybe he envisions that. Maybe that's part of what he envisions. But right now, Steelers don't have that type of personnel. You know, they. I mean, Cam Hayward played 85, 87% of the snaps down the stretch because they were injured and because they didn't have the depth to do that. So all depends on the fit. You know, I'm with you. I, you know, can't see at number 10 overall like Hyper. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's more of a situational guy. I don't know that you can play him three downs and expect to stop the run. But, hey, for, for a team that values that, that, you know, where he's only going to play 50% of the time, 60% of the time, Maybe it does fit, you know, late first, early second round. We'll have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, that's something that all GMs and coaches are trying to figure out now. You know, you it's just the way the NFL is. Sometimes you're drafting guys in the second or third round who are just specialists or situational type players, and you're not getting that guy who's out there, you know, 80 90% of the time. Absolutely. And, you know, just a comparison to other top defensive line pro- prospects this year. Jalen Carter, the guy who's probably going to go top five, uh, six foot three, three ten. Brian Brzee of Clemson, six foot five. Uh, Gervin Dexter Sr., six foot five. Siaka Ika, six foot four. All those guys. And then you get down to Kalaja Kansu, who's six foot. And again, that's not to underestimate Kalaja. I've watched Kalaja dominate offensive linemen much bigger than himself. But that's certainly going to be something to, to something to be uh, keep a watch on. But you know, again, at the Senior Bowl, there were guys like Keanu Benton of Wisconsin who looked, I thought, looked really good at times with how dominant they could use their frame. And Keanu Benton, but more of that frame of being six foot four, three fifteen, uh, and being used to Big Ten football. I think there's going to be plenty of guys for the Steelers to look at in that draft early and in the middle rounds who could be guys who come in and help out that defensive front and give them a boost in the coming seasons. Yeah, Benton was really good the first day. Uh, he was matched up with Cody Mulch um, mm. uh, today. Uh, you know, Mulch got the better of him. So, hey, listen, it goes back and forth. You're not going to be dominant throughout the week. But Benton is one guy to keep an eye on. Uh, he told me uh, Wednesday – that uh, Mike Tomlin was one of his favorite interviews this week. Ooh. And uh, Tom, Tomlin told him that uh, uh, he's on the radar. So there you go. Probably a third, fourth round type of guy. But, the uh, you know, he, he's been told that the uh, Steelers are, you know, are on his path. So There you go. Keanu Benton on the Steelers' radar. There's some insight right there from Ray Fittipato. Will he be a defensive lineman? We'll find out. They got, we got a long way to go in this draft process. The Combine's coming up soon. And, of course, Super Bowl week this week. We'll talk a lot about that coming up. Ray, thanks so much for joining us here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Check out Ray's work. He did a piece about the pass rushers and Chuck Smith already. Ray, you got something coming out on the cornerbacks, correct? Yeah, talk to Grady Brown. So we're going to write about the corners. Uh, that'll be up Friday morning, hopefully. Got some stuff on Servassier Dennis uh, from Pitt. That I'm going to sprinkle in there, and uh, also talk to Luke Getzey about Chase Claypool. So he I got a little uh, little insight from Chase Claypool's new offensive coordinator. So I'll do a little hodgepodge, little notebook type of thing that uh, it'll be online Friday morning. 
Very cool. Check that out at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where you can find it at post-gazette.com. Thanks so much to Ray, and thanks so much to you for checking us out here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We appreciate everyone for checking us out. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday with more on all things Pittsburgh sports right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.